when we now can get ready to go. So we're sort of thinking of this as a bit of a pivot. And a little bit later on in the service, uh, Dean and I are going to talk about what's going on over at 200 Main and uh, tell you about some of the, the good happenings there as we get ready and get that ready to go and, and gather regularly at 200 Main Street. But what we're going to do while we're still here is basically ask the question, what is it that makes us us? So what is Southside Community Church? And if someone were to ask you, well, what makes that church different from any other church? Probably an answer would be, well, we're actually like a lot of other churches because we believe things in common. We do a lot of the same things. But there are some things that make us distinct. There's some things that we have chosen to concentrate on. And there's some things that are priorities for us. And so especially as we gear up for new opportunities of ministry, um, it's important, I think, for us to make sure we, we have that foundation well established. And we kind of know the answer to the question, well, what makes you different? You might remember that back in, in the fall, um, we talked about three words. We talked about the word presence and the word table and the word conversation. And in terms of operating, here and when we get over to 200 Main Street, those are three fairly dynamic words for us. And today I'm going to talk quite a bit about the word presence again. Um, and as I thought about what I'm going to say today, I thought, well, how many times am I going to talk about this? Because to me it sounds like the same thing. And I said to myself, self, you should keep talking about this until you believe it, right? So I do believe it, but I know that it is, it's a hard idea to really get soaked into my life, which is the whole idea about the kingdom of God being present and the notion of the presence of God's kingdom in this world and the notion of our presence in our world for God's kingdom's sake. So you're going to hear me say things today that you've heard me say before, and until I believe it, I'll probably have to teach it a little bit more. And maybe you're like me and you're thinking, I, I think I get it, but I'm really not sure how it, it all really works out. So the two other words have to do with that. Um, we're feeling that the idea of table um, has come into vogue again, uh, eating together, being at table together, not only in churches, but in many, many other venues in, in our society and in communities. We're at the table together again, or we're missing being at the table with one another. And conversation is a beautiful word. Um, because it's a human word, isn't it? It's something that we do. I, I think animals do it. They do it differently than we do. Um, but conversation is, is the, the currency of our relationships, right? So when we're at a table together, we talk. And a lot of what we're planning to do at 200 Main is get ourselves at tables and doing some talking, having good conversation together. But if we're to begin and ask, well, what makes us us? Um, I'd like today to come back to a very fundamental notion, which is that we need to have a vision about who we are and what we're trying to do. So I'm going to talk fairly briefly about vision and mission and just remind you of what we believe our vision is and what we believe our mission is, because out of that will flow the programs and the activities that we bring with us as we go over to 200 Main Street. So in Proverbs 29, verse 18, um, there's a lovely verse that in the message says this. Do we have it, or am I not? Uh... There it is, isn't it? If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. 
The King James, um, which is what you might remember this verse in, um, has it a little differently. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, this is a verse that has strange vocabulary. And no matter which version you go to, it'll just seem like a totally different verse to you. Um, but but the, the way the words are spun here is this that when people don't have a direction together, they tend to go all over the place. So one of the places that the the vocabulary is used is when Moses has gone up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, and Aaron is trying to get control of the people. And they run amok, um, because they say, where's this Moses fellow? He's gone. We don't know if he's coming back or not. So Aaron... Um, you do something about this. And Aaron scrambles in his head and he says, okay, well, here, give me all of your gold. And he melts down all of their gold and he makes these golden bull idols and says, okay, there you go. There's something to worship. Well, the language in that narrative is the language that says the people were out of control. They just were going all over the place. They were running amok. So the wisdom in Proverbs is that when people don't have a common vision, when they don't have a common direction, they can just tend to go all over the place. And it is as true in a church as it is anywhere else that if we don't have a common notion of what our vision and mission or what our direction is, we will tend to be busy. We will tend to do all kinds of things. We will tend to do the things that churches do, but maybe they are going in just all kinds of kind of scattered directions. So as we begin this year, not only in terms of our ministry as a community, but in particular because we're going to an opportunity to do things differently, um, let's ask the question, what, what is our vision? What is the thing that we're committed to doing? And then we'll know that if we stay true to that, um, we probably will make good decisions about how we get those things done. So let me bring you back to Jesus. And you're going to hear me say that today as emphatically as I possibly can. Um, when Jesus began his ministry, he said something identical to what John the Baptist had said, just totally the same thing. He said, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. We've talked a lot about the two ideas of time. One is chronos, which is time that just moves along on the clock or the calendar, and kairos, which is a very particular word for time that means an event. Um, I got married on June the 4th. That may just be a date on the calendar for you, but if it's not a kairos for me, I'm in trouble with Annabeth, right? So it was Kronos, but it was an event day. And Jesus said, the event time has come. See, he said, it's not just that he's saying, you know, it's time now, we're just moving along on my plan or my schedule. He says, it is, it is a different time now. It is a particular kind of time now. And here's how it was. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. And what he's saying is that that has never been true before. That is particularly true right now. There is a kind of time that's upon us that is different from any time that's been upon us before. It is a time in which the kingdom of God is near. And the words that he uses for is near could be translated, um, the kingdom of God is in the vicinity. The kingdom of God is nearby. I love Google Maps and all of that kind of stuff. Even when I'm not going anywhere, I love it. Just like, you know, just to type in an address and see it go zoom, 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 zoom. What Jesus is saying is that almost as surely as you could type in an address on Google Maps and it would find it for you, 
the kingdom is like that. So it's not that the kingdom is near in terms of time coming. He's saying the kingdom is spatially near. The kingdom is just over there from you. The kingdom is in the neighborhood for you. And it's never been like that before. We inherit that reality that the kingdom of God is not just something that's near in terms of time, but that it is a special kind of thing that has happened that we are also part of. And when we get to talk about our vision and mission, we do well to pay attention to what Jesus said because his public ministry, and he came to bring the kingdom, right? So he said, pay attention to this. Everything that I do is going to be related to the fact that the kingdom of God has come near. And what are you going to do about that? Kingdom of, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, when we listen to Jesus, and um, what I want to say to you about where we're going to go with this idea of listening to Jesus when we get to 200 Main Street is, is this. Um, for the first good long while when we get there, we're, we're just going to talk about Jesus. So, We've talked to lots of folks and we've read lots of studies and, and you all know this too, but when we talk to people all around us, there's not a lot of fondness for church, right? Especially in, in a generation that has come up sort of in church and has come away with a bad taste and thinks, I don't like church. But most people, when we talk with them, they don't have any objection to Jesus, well, they have some objections as to what we say Jesus did or was or what it was all about. But, but Jesus is, he's still in play, right? So I, I, you may not convince me to go to church. You may not convince me to be religious. But I, I am interested in Jesus. So what we want to do is say, if you come to 200 Main Street, the only thing we're going to do is talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about what he said. We're going to talk about what he did. We're going to talk about um, what people said about him. We're going to have red-letter teaching sessions that will be like 20-minute long table talks. Did I get, get all, that, all those words in, in the right place? So TED Talks are the genius of the day, right? 15, 20 minutes. So I'm done with 40, 45-minute sermons. Amen? <laughs> no, come on. But for 15 or 20 minutes, we'll have red-letter talks about Jesus. And what we want to do is say to people, we too want to make sure we go back to the beginning and ask the question, well, who was Jesus? What did he say? What did he do? Because whatever that says to us is going to be the kingdom coming. Jesus said, I'm here. The only thing that's different is that I'm here. And since I'm here, you need to know that this is a kairos period in which the kingdom of God has come to you. So we, a lot of times, have kind of just um, bypassed Jesus to get to the letters in the New Testament, right? To the apostles and the church. Or we go back to the stories of the Old Testament. All of that's important. But I think what we need to do is just moor ourselves in the gospel accounts and say, okay, everything else aside, what about Jesus? And let's us learn about Jesus again. And let's invite people to be part of conversations with us at tables about Jesus. Because whatever the kingdom is like, 
the clues have to be given to us by what Jesus said and what he did. And I bet you that if we were to follow Jesus implicitly in terms of just getting into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we would end up with something different than what we have tended to end up with. I had a friend, he was my boyhood chum in Belfast. His name was Eddie Dobson. And Eddie, just a little while ago, he died after struggling with ALS for a good 12 or 14 years of his life. He was a very important evangelical leader in the U.S. And when he left his church, he had worked with Jerry Falwell and the Moral Majority and, and um, all that. And he went to a church in Grand Rapids and had a great ministry there. But when he was diagnosed with ALS, he got this new freedom that he didn't have to work for anybody anymore. So he began to explore his faith. And he had this friend who uh, wrote the book about how to, you know, live the Jewish life or biblically and all that. And, and so Ed said, I'm going to live for a year Jesusly. And his life for that year, he says, was radically different than the public life he led for decades in leading evangelical movements and the church. When he just said, I'm just going to follow Jesus. One thing is that he ended up in bars because he discovered that Jesus tended to go to that kind of place. Now, that immediately got him cut out of a lot of Christian societies and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's not for everybody, right? But it just, he said, what did Jesus do? So just as a little bit of a, a taster for this, in, in Matthew alone, in one chapter, and then one verse in another chapter, when Jesus began to unpack the kingdom which he said is near you, it's a different time, I'm here, I've brought the kingdom. He said the kingdom is like, well, it's like a farmer who sowed good seed in his field. It's like a mustard seed. It's like yeast. It's like a treasure hidden in a field. It's like a merchant looking for fine pearls. It's like a net that was let down to fish. It's like a child's faith. It's like a king. It's like a landowner. And as I think about those as simply a sample of things that Jesus said, every one of those is worth mining for what it could mean. For example, on the matter of the child's faith, Jesus' disciples were having an argument one day about which one of them was greatest. We have more subtle versions of those arguments, although in the U.S. apparently those kinds of arguments are welcome in the White House these days. But anyway. Who is the greatest, they said. And Jesus called a child over and he said, do you see this child? Unless your faith is like this child's faith, you can't be great. You can't get into the kingdom of God. What if we were to camp on that and say, what does that mean? I mean, what is a child's faith like? And to what degree is my faith like a child's faith? What might I not be getting about the kingdom because I'm thinking like an adult trying to function in the kingdom. How could a child lead me? At the end of, of that chapter in Matthew, there's a, a curious little comment that the message translates like this. All Jesus did that day was tell stories. But what if we just listened to the stories Jesus told and ask, what is that story about? I referred last week to the story of the prodigal, which is one of the most powerful stories ever told. Rembrandt painted a picture of the return of the prodigal that is, that is profound. 
the father with his arms around the prodigal. And you look closely, and one of the hands that's around the prodigal is a, is a woman's hand. And in that little subtlety, and as I mentioned last week, who is it that's likely to watch for the prodigal to come home? Is it likely to be the dad, or is it more likely to be the mom? And what do we learn about God? What do we learn about the kingdom from that story alone, right? So as we think about who we are, I'll just cut to the chase. Our vision is God's future in our presence. So that's just cutting it down, not making it a whole sentence. But the vision that we have, the thing that is out there for us, the thing that, that kind of travels as the backstory for us, is that Jesus was right, that the kingdom of God has come near. So we have to live lives characterized by repenting and believing. Not in classical ways, but in unlearning ways. There are a whole lot of things we need to unlearn and change to new learnings if the kingdom is going to be welcome in our midst. So our vision is we have sometimes a well-formed or well-articulated, sometimes a vague notion. But our vision is that the kingdom of God has been coming and is arriving. And somehow or other, everything that we're about should be touched by that vision. Everything that I'm about, everything that you're about as a follower of Jesus should have to do with this grand vision that when the kingdom is fully here, Everything that's broken will be fixed. Everything that is sad will be happy. Everything that's wrong will be right. And the, the, the joyful dilemma we have is we're not quite sure how much of it is coming yet. But we need to be hunting for ways that the kingdom of God, God's future in which there will be no sickness, no sadness, no death, no disappointment, that future will arrive. But what Jesus is saying is it's, it's actually in the vicinity. It's like a spaceship that has come and it is hovering. It's like a thin place that we can reach through to. It's like something that is in the neighborhood. And we have a vision that longs for the full coming of the kingdom of God. But however he decides to bring it, God's kingdom is arriving. So it's already here, even though it is yet to come. So that guides us. Whatever we do has to do with how it is that this is us following Jesus when he says, repent and believe because the kingdom of God has come near to you. The second thing, which is our mission, which becomes our mandate, is simply this, that not only do we have a vision for God's future in our presence, but that we have a mission that says God's future can arrive by our presence. Our job for those around us is to represent God, to talk about his future, his kingdom, which is arriving, and we are those who welcome that kingdom. We are those who talk about that kingdom. We are those who are always asking, what is the kingdom version of this situation? What's the kingdom version of this situation? And then we are mobilized to do something about what the kingdom version is like. I can think of some very simple illustrations of that. And one that, that regularly comes to my mind was um, several years back when we had a team of people in Uganda, way, way back 
in the villages um, by the Nile River. And we came across a little shack, and there were two little girls sitting on the steps of the shack. And shack is shack. I mean, shack is cardboard and corrugated steel and anything that you could find. And these two little girls were skin and bones, and they were sitting on the steps of that shack. And their dad had gone away long ago, and their mom had left a few weeks before that to go and try to find work or to find food. But she had been gone now, and they didn't know if she was coming back. There was so little food in the whole village that nobody would take care of these little girls. They were so busy taking care of themselves. And I remember just being frozen in my steps and honestly and literally thinking, if the kingdom of God was here, what would this situation look like? And you could, you could talk all day about what that would look like. You could talk about great enterprises that people are involving themselves in now, like Save the Mothers. Um, there's a Hamilton doctor who has run this, Jean Chamberlain is her name, is fantastic program that brings ordinary West, Western medicine to Uganda to moms who are dying in childbirth, and they would never, that would never happen over here. That's that, her version of what the kingdom would look like. For me, the version, of the, the version of that situation that would be a kingdom version was, first of all, very simply that they would have rice to eat. So if I kept walking, I would have been defying Jesus' command to me to repent and believe because the kingdom of God had come. If the kingdom of God was near, those girls would have rice, right? Whatever all the logistics are, whatever all of the econ economics are, I decided that by the end of that day, those girls would have rice. And we did all that we could. And it was not hard to do. But by the end of that day, those little girls had rice. And they had someone to take care of them. And they, they had more than that. But that, it's as simple as that, that. No matter where we are, we say, you know, when the kingdom of God comes, it'll be so much more than this, so much different from this. So that's my vision, that the kingdom of God invades this old kingdom. But my mission is to do something about it. My mission is to put something in place that looks like the kingdom having arrived. It happens in so simple ways, right? Later on, we're going to, um, spoiler alert, we're going to say thank you to Lynn, but good's for nothing. What is that if it's not saying, wow, if the kingdom were here, would, would people not have clothes for their kids? Well, they would, wouldn't they? So what is our vision? We're saying we live in a broken down world. We have a vision that the kingdom of God is arriving. Well, then what are we going to do about it? What is our mission? What are we called to be? What are we called to do? We pray the Lord's Prayer all the time. Our Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know that the, the first whole section of that is my job and yours? Father, that's his work. May your name be kept holy. How does God's name be kept holy? It's you and me. Because in the Old Testament, God said, I gave you my name. I gave you my reputation. And what did you do? You went and you sullied my name. You misrepresented me. And so you profaned my name. When we pray, may your name be kept holy, that means to pray that the kingdom of God comes and by the way we represent God on mission for him to welcome his kingdom, people say that, that God is good. It is not that people say, 
those people that call themselves Christians, if that's the kind of God they have, I'm not, not interested in that. We have to think hard about that. We have to think hard about how Jesus challenged institutions and what he said instead. And then say, if God is going to be revered, if his name is going to be kept holy, if his kingdom is going to come, folks, it's up to us. We could sit and wait. And there's a particular theology that says, just sit and wait. Don't worry about anything because sooner or later Jesus is going to come and we're going to be out of here. I'm not interested in that. I want to stay here. I want to stay here in a world that is being renewed as the kingdom of God surges in. I want to be here when everything is new again and the old places that we still notice are totally different because Jesus and his kingdom have fully come. So when Jesus arrived, he said, pay attention. It's a new day. The kingdom of God is in the neighborhood. So repent and believe. Change everything you are and everything you have because the kingdom is here and it's here to stay. Are you up for this? What if we have to do things differently? Is that okay? What if we have to think differently? What if we have to sit at tables and people challenge everything that they think we're for or against or whatever for the sake of following Jesus and discovering where it is that the kingdom is making its way in. Um, can we not only have a vision, but can we know that there's a mission that has my name on it and has your name on it? Why don't we pray? Father, we thank you for the, the life of Jesus, such a staggering, um, revolutionary life. Thank you for the genius of what he said, of what he did. And as we seek to spend time just settling into the red letters of the Bible, the talkings of Jesus, the stories about Jesus, Father, we pray that we will, we will have the privilege of having friends want to talk with us about that very same thing. And we'll give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Daryl is one of our elders. He's going to come lead us in our, our Lord's Prayer and calling for the offering today. So let's pray the, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. continue in prayer as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being with us today. Thank you for what uh, Ian has shared and what we've heard. I just pray that we'll take that to heart and uh, know our, our vision and our mission and that we can share that with, with people. I praise you for what you're doing in our lives for the answers to prayer that we send up to you. I pray for Wendy McMillan and her health. Be with her. Give her strength and encouragement. I pray also for Andrew and Shiv. Be with them. I pray for the first responders in our community and around the world. 
as winter has brought some challenging weather to us. Please be with those who have relationship challenges uh, that they may find reconciliation. I pray for the Board of Elders uh, as we make decisions regarding this church uh, and our new location. Uh, please give us wisdom. I lift up our offering that we're about to take this morning. Uh, please bless the gift and the giver as well. And bless the rest of the service. And I just pray this in your name. Amen. And ushers, please come forward to take the offering. Also going to invite the children to make their way back in. And, uh, as they do, we're going to get Dean to come on up here and we'll just uh, chat a little bit. So we'll multitask here, take our offering, help ourselves some more coffee, another cookie. Bro, I, more than three years ago, I think, Dean and I had lunch, and after I had come to the church, I discovered that there had been things in the works about maybe selling this building and land and going somewhere else. And we were up to the third or fourth unsolicited um, knock on the door and say, what, would you sell us the land and building? And anyway, we had lunch and I asked him to take care of it. And I don't think he had, no idea, he had any idea what he was getting into because now these several years later, um, he is as busy or busier about our move than running his own business. So we appreciate that really, really deeply. But um, it's time for us to give you an update. And um, first of all, um, we have an announcement to make, which is about when we actually move from here to there. So tell us about that, Dean. Well, thankfully, um, you know, you probably caught wind of the fact that it took longer than usual, surprise, surprise, with the town to get all the permits. So we were a little bit behind as we were into November and December. So the long and short of it was uh, the contractor said, I hope you're going to give me into uh, March to uh, finish this job. And of course, uh, we have this place till the end of February. That was the arrangement with Fieldgate. Uh, and uh, just really happy how that all has worked out. Um, Phil has committed to us, the general contractor, that we will be in there for April 1, which for those of you like me who forgot, uh, Ian emailed back and said, you do know April 1 is Easter Sunday. So um, we plan to be uh, on 200 Main for Easter Sunday. And the other half of that equation is going back to Fieldgate and uh, saying, oh, by the way, and uh, they have just been nothing but not only professional but friendly and uh, have with a, with a one-page document have changed the, uh, the free occupancy deal from the end of February to the end of March. So we're here till the end of March, and the plan is to be in there for Easter. Of course, the way all of our minds work is we're telling the contractor that his deadline is actually March 15th, and, um, you know, he just kind of says, yeah, okay, thanks, and we're going <laughs> to keep pushing him to March 15th, and put it on his fridge and um, aim for March 15th. But uh, we, uh, we certainly plan and, and hope to have uh, our first Easter service on April 1 at 200 Main. So we, maybe we'll start at Rattlesnake Point and then walk down or something. You never know, right? <laughs> so um, what's going on over there now? We had on Friday, we had a busy day over there when we sat around the 
tables, looking at how incredibly spacious it was now that all the walls were smashed out and all that kind of stuff. But who's there and doing what? Give us a bit of a you know, state of things at the actual building. Yeah, so we were over there from 8.30 to 2.30. Uh, wasn't how we planned on spending most of the day, but that's where we were. And um, we started with uh, a meeting upstairs at 8.30, and Brian was on FaceTime from Florida talking about uh, the upstairs. Uh, the renovation or the demolition of the main floor and upstairs is completely done. And uh, you can see from one end to the other uh, on the main floor and the second floor. Um, after that, we had a meeting. Uh, Rob came over uh, with Rob's expertise. Thank you, Rob. Um, he, he wasn't planning on spending that much time either, I don't think, on Friday there, but he gave us a lot of time talking about all of the areas of his expertise around uh, IT and Wi-Fi and VoIP phone systems and uh, music and sound and everything else. So we uh, really appreciate Rob's time. And then at 10 o'clock, the sound engineer that we've been talking to since November, well, probably since September, uh, but uh, really sped it up since November, um, came and, and uh, again, probably spent uh, two hours with us, uh, again, sort of looking at all of the acoustics of the place and his recommendations, both with our existing equipment, both what we have here in sound and also what we purchased when we bought 200 main and uh, what that looks like. And for those of you old timers like me, it felt a little bit like Radar O'Reilly from MASH, you know, where he was, now, you could use the MX-101 over here, but the ER-485 might be, anyways, my head hurt after a couple of hours of all of the equipment uh, discussion, but with Rob's help as well, it really was, was absolutely invaluable to sort of get a better sense of um, what we need to do, what we need to purchase, um, the TVs on the wall that we plan for, both on the main floor and upstairs. Um, a lot of details uh, to work out, so uh, that was really valuable. And then the tail end of the meeting of the day was, was a real sit down again with the general contractor to go over where we are. As we sat there from 8.30 to 2.30, they were carrying in the metal studs. We were told by the end of Friday that on Tuesday this, this week, um, they will start uh, putting up the studs for all of the plans that you've seen. Uh, which is pretty exciting and, and it's, it's for those of you who've renovated you know what this is like but you know for the longest time as they as they tear off moldings and things when they are demolishing things it seems like forever and their comment was assuming we get a full team of uh, people doing the metal studs etc within three or four days um, the studs will be up and we're at that point now where decisions have to be made really quickly. Do you, do you remember that if you've ever renovated, like all of a sudden you get a phone call and you haven't picked the doorknobs yet. What doorknobs do you need? And oh, I need, I need them by eight o'clock tomorrow morning. Well, we had one of those on Monday, I think, or on Friday, was it, when um, I was emailed and it was, we need the color of the laminate inside the elevator today. Oh, the elevator. So the, the Lula is well, you know, on order, and the, the new shaft, you, you will recall that discussion, we decided to do the, the full-blown sort of Lula elevator, 
the, the shaft had to be made much bigger. It's a big job over there, and you can see the hole uh, through the three floors now. But uh, it's one of those things where, okay, we have four hours to decide on what color the laminate is inside the elevator. And you might say, who cares? Except at the end of the day, we do want the place to look great. And so, you know, forward that to the designer who then forwards back, here's her suggestions. And by the way, don't pick a custom color if you can possibly avoid it because we don't want to pay extra for a custom color. And those decisions just carry on. I got one last week about the pendant. You need to decide on how many pendant lights you want over the bar. And we need to know ASAP for the electrical sort of schedule. And pendant lights, I mean, anyway. So you forward that to the designer. And then, uh, you know, one of the things we're, we're doing, you've heard, you've heard us say, is trying to keep as much of it local as we can. We're, we're buying uh, what we can from Jeff Bergsma, who's a neighbor uh, of us on 200 Main, and so we're trying to work with him and his people in terms of paint colors and some of the lighting and things like that. I told him as long as you know we're Dutch too, so keep the price down. But uh, we're, we're, it's been great working with uh, Jeff. Uh, but there's just a ton of details, and when we talked to uh, Phil on Friday about March 15th is the deadline, right? And he kind of smiled because, of course, we were talking April 1, but I'm you're going to hear me say March 15th all the time. And um, his comment was, as long as we don't get held up, and you're not going to hold us up, right? Like, you're going to get decisions on a timely basis, nice and fast, for all the things. That's what we're going to endeavor to do. So uh, things are on track. And I saw Aaron's eyes light up when you said pendants over the bar. It's coffee bar. Just saying. No. In, uh, just finally, in, in Nehemiah, when, when he's going to build the walls of Jerusalem, he says, um, Lord, grant me favor with this man, because he had to go get permission from the king. And he got permission and favor. And we've talked sometimes about the person of peace idea, which is one of the octagon things. But um, I, I think there have been several just pleasantly surprising encounters with people that we wouldn't necessarily have thought would be happy with what we're doing and who kind of stepped up and said, yeah, I like that. C can you give us an example or two, Dean? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Ian's mentioned, you know, the, Mil the Main Street Business Association is really happy that we're there and is really interested in what we're doing in terms of, you know, the potential of a meeting room uh, upstairs that people might be able to use slash rent, but we're, we're trying to lay that out in a really professional way so that it it is a space that could be available for, uh, for people in town to use. Um, you know, one of the interesting ones is, you know, the little building, actually it's a big building, the 100-year-old building just in front uh, on the Mary Street side uh, of 200 Main Street. Um, that, uh, that has had some interesting developments. I met the lawyer upstairs there early on who was a real person of peace, uh, spent a long time getting to know him, and, um, and then all of a sudden he called me one day and said, I'm being evicted uh, because the owner of the building wants to sell it or rent it and uh, they want too much, I'm not gonna pay it, yada, yada, yada. And uh, so we sort of heard rumblings about the actual owner. I thought originally the lawyer owned it, but he didn't, he was, he was renting it. But the family that does own it, a little bit of concerns around, okay, how's this relationship gonna go? Turns out I've had 
several text messages back and forth uh, from the lady who's sort of overseeing it all in the family. She lives two hours away and she has sort of said, I don't want to come down for every little thing because that building's getting renovated, if you've noticed. There's a for lease sign in the window. And um, so she said, could we maybe just do some things here where you help me out and I'll help you out? Um, and that was kind of music to our ears. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully continue to develop that relationship with them uh, so that, uh, you know, we can help them out, especially if she lives two hours away and uh, they can be uh, really sympathetic to us. So that's been great. The last thing is, is uh, you may have heard us talk about, I had a business meeting in the fall uh, and I was invited to, and the presenter was an IT uh, social marketing guy who uh, travels the world talking about disruptive innovation, and that's why he was invited to our meeting. I'd never met him before. And you know, you get, you know that feeling after someone talks for 15 minutes or a half an hour, and you go, I think this guy's a Christian. You just, I just feel like, from what he's saying, I wonder if he's a Christian. It's really interesting, this, the choice of words he's using. So we broke for lunch, and long and short of it is he goes to the Freedom Center here. Of course, their youth have been, I think, using this building a little bit, um, which he pointed out to me. And, and uh, so we ended up meeting for lunch later. Uh, really neat guy. And uh, thanks to Peggy and, and others, we have a meeting set up with him to begin to develop a, a short and sweet website slash phone app, I believe, that will get 200 main up and running um, on the internet. And so we have a meeting set up with him. He's really excited to help out. He's got a company of 20 people in Streetsville, and that's all they do. And uh, he's going to help us out there, I think, uh, early February. So uh, it's been really great to see how people have come alongside, and uh, we're going to keep going. Thanks, Dean. Well, we're still here. And Aaron's going to both lead us in worship, and I think just talk about how we wind up our days here at Fear. Good morning, everyone. By, by this time of the morning, are you just itching to stand up and sing with us? <laughs> okay, let's do it. Let's stand up. Is your heart not just bursting with ways you want to praise the Lord this morning? It's cool that we get to hear, you know, how God is bringing his kingdom and now we sing and now we praise his name. So let's do that together. Jesus, let your kingdom come here. Let your will be done here in us. Jesus, there is no In your mighty name, King of heaven, come. 
songs that I think, oops, sorry, one of the songs I think has become like an anthem for us, and it's the song called 10,000 Reasons by Matt Redman. And um, if you'll look over here, you will see we have one of the very special lyrics from this song right there as a title on our wall, 10,000 Reasons for My Heart to Find. And then at the bottom there, you'll, I don't know if you can see it, but it says celebrating three decades of God's faithful presence. So this is, um, uh, and it comes from Psalm 103, if you didn't know, which is a, a great verse that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So that's what we're aiming to do here in the next few weeks. We are going to take this lyric from this song quite literally. So we're going to need all of your help. And what I mean by that, and let me back up a bit here. We know that the church is its people, right? It's its people and not its building, not where we congregate. But with a move like we're about to attempt, there's a lot of change that comes with it. And I think that sometimes in our hearts and in our minds, we need to get to a place where we're ready, where we're transitioning, right, with this big change. So... We've come up with an idea sparked by the uh, lyric of the song um, to honor our past as a church um, and God's faithfulness to us. We're going to take the lyric and, like I said, take it quite literally. And what I mean by that is 
we are going to be um, using note cards, and we're gonna. This week is for brainstorming. Next week we're actually going to begin. But what we're going to ask you to do is um, this week through the week collect ideas and memories and events um, that have either happened to you or you've been a part of um, here at this church or among these people. And we're going to write them on note cards. And in that open, empty space under that title, we're going to fill up that space with 10,000 reasons that we find to praise the Lord for his faithfulness to us. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens because I think at the end of this, right um, before we make a move, we're going to have a worship event. And we're going to, in that, in that last time in this space, we're going to raise our voices and sing God's praise together. And we'll be able to go over there and quite literally um, come and see what God has done through all of these decades by reading uh, people's comments and memories. So if you need some ideas to get started, here are some ideas. So you can um, start writing these down on, on your own this week. So for example, um, baptism dates, wedding dates, baby dedications, pictures of events, uh, maybe people who you want to remember, people that were a part of us that have passed on or who've moved away or whatever. Um, how about salvations, salvations that happened here over the years, uh, relationships built here, friendships built here. How about you were prayed for one day and God healed your body or God healed you, uh, your relationship or what have you. How about aha moments when God spoke to you really clearly uh, through something that happened here? Um, any other special moments or points in our history that come to your mind? And this will be something that you'll want to pray about and ask God for the memory to go back and uh, jot those things down. Um, I'll give you an example of one thing I plan to write down. Um, when my son Evett was born, he was quite a sick baby. And it was on a Sunday morning um, that we were destined for Sick Kids Hospital. And it was on a Sunday morning that you prayed as a church for his little body. And that defining moment, um, uh, basically we were able to avoid Sick Kids Hospital. And um, the numbers that the doctors were concerned with came down that very morning when you prayed for us. So there's an example of something I want to remember you all by and, and just honor God's faithfulness to this congregation. And I know there's many, many stories like that, isn't there? I, I can see the wheels turning already. So that's the purpose of that. And then over here on this wall, you see prayers for our future. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. As you're asking God um, uh, for our future, uh, maybe, maybe he'll give you an idea of something you'd like to share with all of us. Or maybe there's something that you've been consistently praying for, for this congregation. Um, please write those things down as well and share them. And I just think it's so important that us as a church body uh, know what God is doing. We don't always share that with one another. And um, I think moving forward, that's what we need to do. If we're really going to be doing life together, we're sharing the stories of what God is doing and what God has done. So uh, please write those things down. Next week, we're going to begin, um, and we're going to have note cards and little push pins, and we're going to start filling up these walls of our memories and of our future uh, prayers for this congregation. So I'm really excited about this, and I hope you will um, take this opportunity um, and do it. And if we're really going to make it to 10,000, that means not each person does one or two. That means we're expecting each person to really dig down 
and uh, come up with lots of reasons to praise God for his faithfulness to us. And also, if you're a person who know folks who used to be a part of this congregation and might want to add, um, we're going to have, uh, if you're on Facebook or Instagram and all that, we're going to be putting some posters there too. To so share those when you see them come up this week. And because um, I know there's lots of people who have moved on or moved away who would like to be a part of that as well. And when we have a date for that final worship event, of course, that is open to anyone and everyone who, who wants to come and who has been a part of us in the past. So we'll need your help to collect people for that as well. Okay, so let's sing this song, shall we? All right, 10,000 Reasons. Bless the Lord.
This morning, it being our first week of the new year, we have a new song to share with you. And I just want to share the scripture that it comes from. It comes from 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. And I printed it out in a few different versions just to get some different perspectives. And it's just a fantastic verse that has really blessed my heart this week. It says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And the New Living Translation says this, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes and through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. And the message says this, whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray, the great amen. God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. By his spirit, he has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he has destined to complete. Some of you may know this one, so if you know, please sing with us.
scriptures that on the night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, this is my body, which is for you. And after they had eaten, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And we, along with millions of believers for all of the years since then till now, uh, joined together by remembering the Lord Jesus in the bread and the cup. So at your table, there is um, a glass of grape juice and there is some naan bread. And I'm just going to invite you to take and tear a piece of the naan bread off and dip it in the grape juice and remember the body of Jesus broken for us and the blood of Jesus shed for us as we just center our hearts and um, the meaning of the songs that we've just been singing in our devotion to the Lord Jesus. So if someone would uh, make sure that you start. Um, if you would like to have gluten bread, there is some this table and if you wouldn't mind just making your way over that's available to you here as well um, but let's continue just to sing this song of worship as we take the bread and the cup and remember the lord's death um, we're told we should do that until he comes back
White is going to come here and lead Elder Ann White is going to stand here and help us say thanks.
told him I didn't think they needed one, but. Lynn, as Ian mentioned earlier in the service, Lynn has been working at the Goods for Nothing store for a long time. Uh, she's been, the store started in 2008 and Lynn has been involved in it for all of those years. After a couple of years, she took over the running of the ministry with the help of many volunteers um, whom she recruited and scheduled and looked after. She's also been setting up and taking down every two weeks for all of those years. It's an enormous task to do all that work of the setting up and taking down of the store. Lynn has met with various agencies in town to explore partnering opportunities, and she now keeps the store open uh, for, for the full week so that um, many of the community groups who, have, who are renting the church and who come and meet in our church uh, have the benefit of um, accessing the store. And it's now known in Milton and actually all of Halton as a place where many shoppers can get clothing and uh, including new Canadians whom we've been servicing recently. Many new Canadians who have come um, into the store. And Lynn has spent many, many hours sorting clothing and sorting through the donations and maintaining the store. And she has made an enormous time commitment, an enormous commitment to the Lord. Um, by serving in this role. So Lynn, now you're stepping down as ministry leader um, of the Goods for Nothing store. The congregation would like to recognize your dedication and service. It has actually been quite an honor for me to serve as leader of this ministry for so many years. Um, talk about memories over the years in this church. Uh, there is so many. Um, it's, it's just been an absolute pleasure. And I am actually looking forward to seeing this new vision and going forward um, with the store, what God's going to do for it in the future. But thank you very much. And thanks so many of you who have come to help out in the store. And, especially Sharon and Susan, who've been there with me, like hand in hand through the whole thing, as well as many others. So, um, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Lynn. I wonder how many of you have in some way or another served in the Goods for Nothing ministry over the years. Just wave at us. Yeah, isn't that great? Good deal. Well, thank you for being with us today. We're going to end our service as we usually do at a communion Sunday with the benevolent offering. And the benevolent offering is just one way that we express our, our love and concern for those who come to our attention. And so we appreciate your giving in this particular way as well. So as the ushers come forward and you uh, give your offering, help yourself to a final chocolate chip cookie or put one in your pocket and we're done. God bless you. <laughs>